God wants us to put our first decision in him. God wants us to place our trust in him first and then let him lay out his path and his plan for us. Welcome to the Friends of Israel Today, where we teach biblical truth for changing times. I'm Steve Conover. If you're not yet acquainted with our ministry, I invite you to request a free one-year subscription to our award-winning magazine, Israel My Glory. We'll send this beautiful and informative magazine into your home absolutely free. It's up to you to continue, and you will not be charged at any time during the trial. If you love Israel and God's chosen people, I know you'll want to have Israel My Glory magazine coming into your home for a full year. Visit foiradio.org to learn more and to sign up for your free subscription to Israel My Glory magazine. You can also call us at 888-343-6940. We'll give that contact info again later. A quick rundown of the program before we join our host and teacher, Chris Katolka. Today, we will learn how we can make better decisions as we open the word to 1 Kings chapter 18, and Chris teaches us from the life of Elijah. Many of you will remember this incredible moment in history when Elijah faced off with the prophets of Baal. It's been a week since the Summer Olympics closing ceremonies. We'll take a look back and try to see the experience from the Israeli athlete's perspective. And later, Apples of Gold, read by Mike Kellogg. Now, let's join Chris. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the program. For our regular listeners, I want to thank you for your continued support of our radio program and podcast And for those of you who are tuning in for the first time, I want to give you a big welcome and encourage you to check out our website, foiradio.org, to find out more about the Friends of Israel today and our ministry, the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. Now, I have a question for you. Have you ever experienced the paralysis of indecision? Too many options set before you that prevented you from making a choice. You know, one of the first memories I have of Karen, my wife, is at a grocery store when we were dating. We decided to cook dinner at my house instead of going out to eat because we thought it would be fun to cook in for the first time. And we gathered the ingredients to the meal, which was really easy to do because they were written down for us. Somebody else already chose the ingredients for us. Someone made those choices for us. But then we needed to grab one more thing that wasn't on the list, salad dressing. I think we stood in that salad dressing aisle for about 25 minutes, and I have this adorable image of Karen holding five bottles of salad dressing in her hand, and she was stuck on which one to choose. And quite honestly, I'm the worst person to have in these moments because I'll eat any of them. And I love that moment with Karen. It's something I'll always remember. But this is called the paralysis of indecision. When you have too many options set before you, and you have to choose which one is the best. And I was recently reading a Newsweek article on the science behind decision-making, and it's quite fascinating. Angelica DiMocca, director of the Center for Neural Decision-Making at Temple University, did research on people's brains who had to deal with tons of options. As options begin to build... More information about each option arises, which impairs good decision-making skills. She found out by measuring brain activity 
that as more options increased, so did the activity in the dorsolateral prefrontal cortex. Now, listen, I'm no brain expert, but I did find out that that's the area where decision-making and emotional control come from. DeMocha's research, however, found out that when more and more information about those options enters that section of our brain that helps us make decisions, eventually it just shuts down. She says it's like a circuit breaker that just pops. DeMocha explained with too much information, people's decisions make less and less sense. Our trouble today is that we live in an option and opinion-rich world. There's no lack of the opinion commodity in the exchange of information. This can be both an empowering way of living, having all these ideas, options, and opinions literally at our fingertips, and yet at the same time, Angelica's research has proven it can also be paralyzing. And it's not just choosing the right salad dressing. The overabundance of all these options and opinions is paralyzing even my generation, the millennial generation, from making solid, concrete choices on which way to go in life. Sarah Vermont wrote in, her For- in a Forbes article, 20-somethings often find themselves paralyzed with indecision as they anxiously deliberate the creation of career, family, and future when on the doorstep of graduation. Too many options, too many choices, too much information is more than likely going to paralyze our decision-making process. Now, the Israelites from 1 Kings 18, they didn't have an abundance of information to choose from like the modern 21st century person does. But the ancient Israelite did have options. They had the choice of choosing from a plethora of gods to worship, and each god had their own opinion as well. The Israelites could worship their god Yahweh, the god of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, or they could follow the god of Baal, who was the god of the thunderstorm. And for the context of 1 Kings 18, Baal being the god of the thunderstorm is fitting because the land was under a drought. There was no rain falling on the land. So the Israelite king Ahab and his wife Jezebel thought maybe they should turn to Baal, who may be the one God who will open the skies and bring rain. And then there were other gods as well, it says in 1 Kings 18, that other Israelites were worshiping another false god called Asherah. Like I said, there were plenty of gods for the Israelites to choose from when 1 Kings 18 was written. Now, Elijah the prophet was chosen and called by the Lord to speak to the people of Israel to help them with this bad decision they made, the, the, the terrible decision to trust in, a, in false gods to fix their problems. Maybe there was too much about all the gods out there and their dorsolateral prefrontal cortex just shut down. But the reality is this, is they made a bad decision. They chose the wrong God to worship. The Israelites forgot about the God who protected and provided for them. And Elijah, which is a great name, by the way, because it means the Lord is my God. Yahweh is my God. So in this issue of indecision in 1 Kings 18, even Elijah's name is showing he's already made the decision on who he's going to worship. Yahweh is my God. The Lord is my God. Elijah wanted to show these prophets of Baal, who are Israelites, who 
chose Baal over the Lord, that the Lord is the God of heaven and earth. So they decided, let's have a battle of the gods, an an epic story of the storm god Baal versus Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the creator of all things. It's really like a divine okay corral. And Elijah stated the rules for this divine competition. He said this in 1 Kings 18, 22 through 24. I am the only prophet of the Lord who is left, but there are 450 prophets of Baal. Let them bring us two bulls. Let them choose one of the bulls for themselves, cut it up into pieces and place it on the wood, but they must not set it on fire. And I will do the same to the other bull and place it on the wood, but I will not set it on fire. Then you will invoke the name of your God and I will invoke the name of the Lord. And the God who responds with fire will demonstrate that he is the true God. And all the people responded, this will be a fair test. Then Elijah looked at the 450 prophets of Baal, and he says something incredibly important. Remember, these prophets of Baal are Israelites who made the bad decision to follow a false god. And he said this, how long are you going to be paralyzed by indecision? If the Lord is the true God, then follow him. But if Baal is, then follow him. But the people did not say a word. Elijah said to the Israelites, you've got to stop being paralyzed by indecision. You can't be Israelites and jump between gods as you seem fit. A relationship with the Lord becomes complicated when you invite other gods into the mix. The more you jump between gods, the more paralyzed you'll become in trusting him. So how did the competition play out? Well, Baal, the god the majority of the Israelites turned to, never showed up. He was a no-show. The scriptures say throughout the afternoon, they were in an ecstatic frenzy, the Israelites, but there was no sound, no answer, and no response. Then the Lord wowed the crowd and responded immediately to Elijah and consumed the offer that Elijah laid on the altar. The Israelites made the decision to become more worried about the bad leadership of Ahab and Jezebel and to become more worried about the lack of rain that they forgot to make the vital decision to trust in the Lord alone. You know, trusting in the Lord is a decision that you have to make. The science of decision-making, as I mentioned earlier, proves that more options and more information can be distracting and misleading, and it can lead to poor decision-making skills. We can become paralyzed by our indecision. It's freeing. Think about this. It's freeing to know that God tells us to trust in his ways first, to make the decision to follow him first. Because think about it, when we make the decision to follow God, then he lights our path to the plethora of decisions that must be made. The reality is this, if if you're paralyzed by indecision, the, the thing you have to understand about the human nature is that we like options. We like information. We love opinions. But as the science shows, our brains can't handle all of that. It trips like a, like a circuit breaker. It, it just shuts off. 
And you know what? I actually think sometimes these opinions and options and information can become like little idols, gods to us, because we love to have that control of that information. When the reality is this, God wants us to put our first decision in him. God wants us to place our trust in him first and then let him lay out his path and his plan for us. That to me is incredibly important or else all that information, all those options and all those opinions are just paralyzing us and preventing us from moving forward in the Lord. And you know, Jesus had options as well. He had information, especially at the Garden of Gethsemane. He, he could have chosen the path of least resistance. He could have listened to all the different opinions that were out there. The, the, the opinions of his disciples, the options and information. But instead, what did he say to our Heavenly Father? Not what I will, but what you will. Elijah was a prophet who wanted to free Israel from the paralysis of indecision and set them on a course with the Lord who loves them. Will you listen to the call of Elijah? How long are you going to be paralyzed by indecision? Turn to the Lord, my friends, and he will set you free in the ways that he has planned for you. When spiritual conversations come up, are you hesitant to share your faith? Are you fearful of the reaction of some of your family, friends, colleagues, or even some people in your church for defending what you believe? Well, we've all been there. And the prophet Elijah, one of the most remarkable prophets in scripture, shows how his example of faith and courage has served as a pattern to inspire many to take risks for God's name and to be counted. In Dr. Will Varner's book, The Chariot of Israel, you'll be immersed in the life of Elijah and you'll see how the practice of the presence of God enables the child of God to stand before an unbelieving world in the boldness of fearless faith. If you want to challenge your faith and learn to take risks for God in all areas of your life, then you'll want to order your copy, The Chariot of Israel. You can order your copy at foiradio.org or call our toll-free number 888-343-6940. That's 888-343-6940. Now that the 2016 Summer Olympic Games have wrapped up, I wanted to share with you the mission statement of the International Olympic Committee, the IOC, that organizes the Summer and Winter Olympic Games. And, and this is important because it shares the values of what the Olympics are supposed to be. Just listen to this. The goal of the Olympic movement is to contribute to building a peaceful and better world by educating youth through sport practice without discrimination or any kind in a spirit of friendship, solidarity, and fair play. The IOC's bold vision to put aside global politics for a few weeks to become the conduit through which the world can see how nations from all around the globe can unite under the banner of sportsmanship 
to help build a more peaceful world so that our children would see the spirit of friendship and camaraderie worked out is a really, really noble one for sure. But what happens when a few delegations go rogue and forget the mission of the Olympic Games? What happens when certain countries forget that their lack of sportsmanship is educating youth that it's okay to discriminate? Well, this did happen, and the victim of such bigotry was the state of Israel. Many majority Muslim countries discriminated against Israel and Rio in the form of unsportsmanlike conduct. For instance, on the first night, a bus scheduled to take the Lebanese and Israeli delegations to the opening ceremonies found itself to be the center of an international conflict when the head of the Lebanese team physically stood in the way of the Israeli team from getting on board. The Olympic organizers had to order a special bus for the Israeli team, and the head of the Israeli delegation said this, the behavior of the head of the Lebanese delegation contradicts the Olympic charter. Later that week, Saudi judo competitor Waoud Faoumi avoided competing against Israeli Gilly Cohen by forfeiting her first round. Saudi Arabia had softened their relationship with Israel since the Iran deal took effect, yet Folks, they still deny the existence of Israel, so there could be some tension there. The Egyptian Jaduko fighter Islam El Shahabi publicly refused to shake hands after he lost to Israeli or Sassoon. El Shahabi was booed by the crowd for his lack of sportsmanship. The Egyptians missed the opportunity to show the spirit of friendship is an incident that's being looked over by the Olympic Committee even right now. These acts of discrimination display to the world on a small scale politically what I believe Israel faces daily from certain Middle East neighbors. In every act of bigotry, the Israeli competitor or team was willing to engage in the mission of the Olympics, to overlook the major differences their countries have, and to show a spirit of friendship to their Middle East neighbors and their desire for peace in the Middle East to the whole world. Think about it. Israel had no problem sitting on the same bus as the Lebanese team, but they were blocked from coming aboard. Gilly Cohen had no issue competing against Wa'ud Faomi from Saudi Arabia, but Wa'ud chose truancy over solidarity. And Israeli Or Sasson reached out to shake the hand of his Egyptian opponent after the competition, but was refused a handshake, a gesture of acknowledgement and acceptance. These images of blocking absence and refusal are diplomacy issues Israel has to engage with regularly. If these individuals are too immature to practice simple sportsmanlike conduct, just think of how difficult it is for Israel to participate in diplomatic relations with countries who block, leave, and refuse them. Israel, on the verge of becoming a state, a teenage Holocaust survivor arrives on her shores alone. His name is Svi Kalisher. Little did he know his search for a new life in the Holy Land would lead him to the Messiah. Svi, enthusiastic to share his faith, engaged others in spiritual conversations, many of which can be found in our magazine, Israel, My Glory. While Svi is now in the presence of his Savior, his collected writings from well over 50 years of ministry continue to encourage believers worldwide. Now, Apples of Gold, a dramatic reading from the life of Svi. My wife and I recently visited her mother in the hospital. 
Most of the people in that hospital can no longer care for themselves, speak little, seem bitter. They appear to be counting the days until they die. As I viewed this sorrowful picture, I realized I must encourage these people. I quickly befriended them. They immediately seemed to like me, probably because I made them feel like they still have value and they are important in God's eyes. When I asked if they remembered anything about the Bible, most replied they pray only from the prayer books. One of the men said, Listening to the rabbis does not bring us joy, but you, in just a short time, have actually made us smile. I then read Psalm 37, verse 25, to show them even in old age they can be fruitful. I have been young, and now I'm old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. I told them, you are important, even at your advanced age. And you can be even more important if you will turn back to the Lord, return to him, and obey his commandments. I assured them they do not have to be bitter, because those who truly believe in the Lord will never be forsaken, but will have everlasting life in his presence. As it is written in Job 19, 25, and 26, I know my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, in my flesh I shall see God. I told them, do as Amos 5, 4 says, seek me and live. In the Lord there is no death, only life. I could tell from their expressions They'd never heard these things before. They began to question me about the future. They wanted assurance the things I told them were really true. I began reading some of the Psalms to them. I ended with Psalm 23, putting special emphasis on the end of verse 6. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And when I finished reading, someone said, we have read those passages many times, but they never entered into our hearts as they have today. Just then my wife said, Zvi, today is Friday. We must get to the shops before they close for the Sabbath. I looked at my watch and realized I'd been speaking with these people for more than three hours. They seemed sad I had to leave, so I said to my wife, Give me a few more minutes with my new friends. I then asked them, Do you have any more questions before I leave? One asked, How can you be sure you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever? I replied, It is written in Psalm 119, verse 89, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Put your trust in him, and you will have the same assurance. Psalm 118, verse 17 says, I shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. I plan to return and continue witnessing to these dear people. I pray they will accept the Lord as their Messiah and Savior before their earthly journey is over.
We've been looking at the life of Elijah this week, and as we close, I'll remind you once more about the book, The Chariot of Israel. Purchase your copy when you call our listener line at 888-343-6940. Again, that's 888-343-6940. Write to us at FOI Radio P.O. Box 914, Belmar, New Jersey, 08099. Again, that's FOI Radio, P.O. Box 914, Belmar, New Jersey, 08099. Or simply visit us at foiradio.org. That's foiradio.org. Our host and teacher is Chris Katolka. Our associate producer and engineer is Tom Gallion. Mike Kellogg read Apples of Gold, and our theme music was composed and performed by Jeremy Strong. I'm Steve Conover, executive producer. Please prayerfully consider supporting the ministries of the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. Look for the donate link on our website to learn more about the ways you can support the important work the Lord has called us to do. The Friends of Israel Today is a production of the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. We are a worldwide Christian ministry communicating biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah while fostering solidarity with the Jewish people.